0: Hola, mi gente, and welcome back to the Limbo Latino podcast. I am Joseph Colon, a.k.a. the Limbo Latino, and I'm excited, so excited to bring you part two of the interview I had with Senor Felipe Luciano in Harlem. If you don't know who he is, go back to the previous episode, get some nuggets of knowledge, Google him, YouTube him. He is everywhere. In short, reason why he is everywhere is because he is history, an accomplished human being who has always fought for social justice. He is an educator, and he has contributed greatly to the Latino universe. Now, just a little bit about this platform. Decided to create this platform to advance our stories and reframe our history. The Limbo Latino podcast interviews amazing movers and shakers within the Latino, Latina, Latinx diaspora, and beyond. The Limbo Latino podcast, Living Between Two Worlds, examines the complexities of having one foot in the motherland and one in the U.S., and how do we navigate our world, So, this season, I will be asking some friends, colleagues, and have new family members to join me in the sala, the living room of our Latino universe, and have them tell us our stories and tell their stories to share their experiences. So, again, come to the Limbo Latino podcast sala and engage, whether that's through our social media platform, or even live. Yes, live. We will be doing some of these interviews in a live format so you can engage as well. I want this also to be an opportunity for you to share your story. So please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. rate it a five, if you so inclined. And join us on social media and let's continue this conversation. Again, via Facebook, Instagram, and Our YouTube channel, which has already popped off, and so we'll be putting and posting new videos and actually posting our unedited versions of our podcast interviews, their whole entirety just for you to enjoy. So remember to support our podcast, the Limbo Latino Podcast, on all platforms. And without further ado, here is part two of my interview with the man, the myth, the legend. Felipe Luciano.
1: And that was the last time I let her hit me. I was, let me see how old was I, 14. And she went to swing, I grabbed her hand, said, mommy, don't do that no more. She said, are you possessed? Is, is the devil in you? I said, no, mommy, ain't no devil in me. I don't want you to hit me in my face anymore. I was in a gang, man, I was fighting big men. How are you gonna let your mother hit you in the face like that? And I never went back to church after that. After Brownsville, we went to California again because she didn't want me in the gang. So we go to California again, end up in East Los, what we call at least uh, East Los Angeles heavy, heavy Mexican gang area. I had a ball. Remember, California's grass and trees. It may be guns and stuff, but you see, it's land, man. It's open. You love it. Had one or two fights there. The gang asked me to join. I said, look, man, my mother wants me to stay away from gangs. Uh, and I gave them the story. That here's what used to happen to me. They said, okay, you don't have to join us, brother, but if we ever have a fight with another, uh, project, are you gonna come and help us? I said, of course I would. This is my town too. This is my, this is my hood. So, They let me stay, but they didn't understand the family thing. And remember, we're talking about California black folk. They're from the the Delta area. They're from the Midwest. They didn't understand how Puerto Ricans feel about family. See, for us, family doesn't just mean your brother and sister. Family means anything that's connected to you by blood. So my cousin comes up there, diddy-bopping. Taking their girls away, they said, oh no, this boy got to go. And they ready to beat him up. I said, y'all can't beat him up. They said, but he's messing with my girl. I said, but he doesn't understand. They said, but we've we've asked you to tell him. My cousin was a, a dandy. He used to put that stocking cap on his head. His ways would be symmetrical. Dixie Peach, you know what I'm saying? Jade East, he was into it. And I told him, man, you can't fool around with uh, this guy's, what was his name, Paul? Paul's uh old, old lady. And he said, man, fuck that dude. I said, no, 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 brother. It's not the way we roll here. So Paul tried to kill him with a hatchet. And when I came out, I, I remember coming out in the backyard. I told Paul, why'd you try that? He said, I told you, man. I said, but that's my family. He said, I told you we protect your brother and your sister. That's your cousin. I said, but that's family. He said, I don't give a fuck. I said, no, neither do I. And I hit him. Man, what was that for? Ten people jumped me. My grandmother had to come. My old grandmother had to come because my mother got the Holy Ghost. My aunt started speaking in tongues. Thank you very much, Jesus, but it ain't helping me in this fight. And my grandmother got so mad, she says, all y'all got to go. So we came back to New York. I told my mother, leave me here with my grandmother. If I go back to New York, I'm, it's not going to be good for me. At 14, my mother took her. She said, I can't raise these kids without you. At 14, we came back. And this time, we ended up in Bushwick. Now, I don't. it was on Granite Street between Broadway and Bushwick Avenue. Brother, gangs like you wouldn't believe. Puerto Ricans. I mean, serious hitters. And within two years, I was busted for murder. Boy hit my brother. And I told him about the Puerto Rican code. He didn't get it. So we had to take him out. I didn't stab him. I was whipping his ass, I didn't stand, but I noticed one of the guys was doing these, like, long motions, and I, did, I thought he was doing some karate stuff. He was stabbing him. So they busted me, uh, seven of us. Five of them split, and two of us were busted. I stayed with the guy who stabbed him. They gave me five years, they gave, um, him seven, and they gave another brother three, um, of the five, of the seven of us who went to jail, four of them are dead. So jail literally saved my life. All of them got caught up in drugs or got caught up in some stuff, something. They all died. I know one of them today, only one, Carl Riley, who's like the love of my life. Because he did time with me when he didn't have to. Um, The DA wanted three of us to do time and my cousin didn't want to do the time. He was a baby and a punk. And he said, I'll do the time with you. Now, imagine that kind of love where a guy says, I'll do the time with you. So to this day, I love him, brother. He's very good with his hands. One of the best Aikido guys in this country. Boy, he's super, super fly. The Japanese love him. Came out of jail. And um immediately got, got caught up in uh The Last Poets. I heard about this group, um and they picked me, I'll never forget it, it was the first black and Puerto Rican group we ever had. Some sister took gave me an evaluation test and ran back out of the Har You program which was an anti-poverty program, and said, You are you are brilliant. I first time I heard the word brilliant, I said, brilliant. She said, I said, I know how to do this. She said, No, no, sweetheart, I know you don't understand this, but you're very smart. So she said, "I'm going to give you a test now." She gave me a test. I passed it with flying colors. She said, "You, what are you looking to do?" I just come out of jail. I said, "I just want a job, maybe in a, con- maybe doing like boxes or uh, construction." She said, "What? You need to go to college," and she got me into Queens College. I'm in Queens College among all these Jewish folk because it's basically a Jewish school. And first of all, I get along with Jews exceptionally well because I know the culture. But I took courses that I didn't know were considered very esoteric, like aesthetics. It's a part of philosophy that's very, very, it's, it's, it's form, it's how do you deal with form? How do you deal with concepts of beauty, concepts of art, man, and it's all as I got an A plus in it. So I was doing, I didn't, I didn't understand this, I'm doing well, because it was no big thing to me. Math I did horribly on, and, but eventually somebody, a uh, Mrs. Byman, her name is, may God rest her soul, she was killed, uh, would come to my house and actually help me and I passed the remedial math test within 84. I never did that. So, Queens College was the beginning of my liberation. Now, at the same time, I'm reading all this revolutionary stuff, Che Guevara, Fidel, Kwame Nkrumah, Stokely, I mean, I'm in it. I taught the first black power course in Queens College, non-matric. I'm all of 18 now. I'm teaching black power right down the block now, on 25th Street with the last poets in a group in a loft called the East Wind. I was the first Puerto Rican, I was the first anybody to teach black power on 25th Street. I put the B in black on this in Harlem, I was in it. But the, re- the poetry that I was doing was leading me into revolution. Because you can't do poetry if if, and be honest with yourself and not get involved. I got involved. Some Puerto Ricans kept on coming to the loft and asking me to join them. I wasn't anti Puerto Rican. I just thought that they didn't, that they were not ready for armed struggle. I'm already into a cell, an underground cell, and we're planning some real stuff. Right. I'm with Rap Brown. I'm with Stokely Carmichael. I'm in it. I knew most of the Panthers. I was trying to start a, sp- a small group called the, the, the Brown Tigers, and Bobby Seale told me, uh, Felipe. We're catching hell being Black Panthers. The hell you gonna call yourself the Brown Tigers? Are you serious? Think of some other stuff. So we did that. We had heard about this group. funny, so anyway, they, they recruited me and it was called La Sociedad del Albizu Campos, the Society of Albizu Campos, who of course you know is our, it's like our Malcolm X. And I got into that. I realized I couldn't stay in school and do Revolution full time. So I left school, left Queens College. The teachers went crazy. You could be a professor, you're so good. I was supposed to go to Cornell and I stayed I stayed uh, in New York. But the Young Lords put a whole nother patina on my life. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but they named me chairman, they elected me chairman because they said that I was aggressive and I wasn't afraid. They didn't know how scared I was. What it is is when you come out of jail, you're afraid of nothing but God, baby. When you see, when you have to fight these cats inside, I mean these boys are serious in jail. I mean, these are real warriors. So they noticed that I would talk to cops with no fear. They noticed that it's, you know, I would have fights on the street with these guys who tried to rob our office and I'd whip their ass. So they said, we're gonna name him as chairman. Now I didn't know at the time that the moment you become leader, the mark is on you. I didn't know that. So every time there was a fight, I was always the first one to lead it. I can't tell you how many broken bowls I got. I went to the hospital for third or fourth time. And I remember a doctor saying, um, are you masochistic? And I didn't know what it meant. I mean, I knew what it meant, but I didn't know what it meant in terms of physical. He said, because you're coming here with a lot of broken bones. He said, Mr. Luciano, you have to stop this. So I, I would delegate authority, but I didn't believe that you should tell a person to go into battle unless you're willing to do it, right? So I got into the Young Lords and started developing a rep for, um, for tactics, not strategy. Juan Gonzalez was the strategy man. Pablo Guzman was the uh, PR man. And tactics is what you do to implement the strategy. How do you get into a place? How do you get out? Maximum effectiveness, minimum loss of life. That was my mantra. And I had read Mao, I had read Che. Mao says, when the enemy advances, you withdraw. When they withdraw, you advance. I mean, all of that stuff I had in my head. And I'm still pretty good at it. We didn't lose one young lord during the time I was chairman. We took over the people's church. We took over church and started feeding kids breakfast programs. We took over hospital, Lincoln Hospital. It was a huge um, ghetto hospital that killed a lot of people. Man, it was horrible. We got them to change that house. We got them to knock it down. We had clothing drives. We had, um we, we did, uh we stole a TB truck because they weren't servicing our community. and We brought it right in front of our door and the cops wouldn't even bother us. I think we were the best fighting unit in the country at the time. Uh, we had guns, but I didn't believe in bringing them out. That was the, the only difference between us and the Panthers. I didn't believe in rhetoric that was inflammatory and I didn't believe in showing your guns. The reason for that, I was raised with Sicilians. Sicilians believe less is more. If you're a member of the mob, why are you gonna drive a big old Cadillac unless you live in Long Island? Keep it on the DL, man. Keep it on the down low. Um, and they used to tell me, hey, Filippo, come over here. What are you running around with those movies for? Be careful, shut your <laughs> mouth, take it easy. You want some of these ways to do this shit. You don't have to go see, hurting people. What are you, crazy? So I used that tactic in the Young Lords, and we didn't lose that many people. We lost one guy because he killed himself. They lied about it. After I was demoted and thrown out, they lied about it and said he was killed, but it wasn't. He killed himself, and I knew he was... There are people that we have in our culture who are psychopaths, and we don't know it. There's a lot of mental illness in not community. Some, some of them want to be criminals. Some of them want to be revolutionaries. Can't trust them. Um, anyway... After that, I went into poetry full time. I became a radio announcer. After that, I went to NBC. I worked with WBLS, a very famous disc jockey. I don't know if your listeners, maybe their mothers, will know about name, Frankie Crocker. I um I uh, did the first Latin music program on Soul TV. It's called Shades of Soul. I had Tito Puente, Willie Colón, and Hector Lavoe when they were babies. I found out that NBC was looking for a reporter, and I called them, and I became the NBC reporter, Puerto mm. Rican. Um, and won two Emmys, and that's how my life progressed. I just kept on media, I never learned it, Never there was no formal schooling for it, but I knew how to do a story, and it's easy for me to talk to people, talk with them, so I got that. Um Long story short, my life has been nothing short of renaissance, man. You know, I love music, I play congas, I love Latin music, I love jazz, and I love poetry, I love art. Now that I'm retired from the news business, I'm retired from crime. Uh, not that I was into it that much, but I, I did like it. I don't know why people say that crime, crime has an allure. It's a drug, and there's a lot of drugs in it. So imagine walking into a club and all the mommies coming at you, you know, and you got a few dollars, uh, people respect you. I didn't know that you could do that legitimately. I thought, this is, this is the life, man. So I have to thank God for not having, for having protected me from getting killed, really do. And there were several opportunities, so it never happened. Now I write and I lecture, and I'm looking for, I teach at the Union Theological Seminary, of all places, right? I'm back in the church. And uh, God has led my life, I don't know, some people say I'm gonna end up becoming a minister, others people say I'm gonna lead a revolutionary organization again. I said, why can't they do both? Why can't you do both? And that's my life, three kids, all of them lovely. So my suggestion to those of you who are listening, see a lot of us love people for what they are, but we don't love them for what they ain't. You know what I mean? And that's the name of that tune. I'm positive. Uh, that I have high hopes for our people. But this time, besides fighting, we're gonna have to have God on our side. And I think that's one of the problems we had in the 60s. We didn't have God with us. If you fight with God at your side, you can't lose. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you think that God, listen, God is leading my battle, there's no way I can lose. That's how we're gonna win this. So I think that the first thing we have to do is assess the needs of our community. Our students have to learn their history. Puerto Rican history has to be taught. Um, and Latino history. We have to force that in our public schools. We have to have extra liberation schools outside of the classroom after school and on weekends so that we learn the Spanish language, we learn our history, uh, we learn our negritude. And I think we have to involve our kids musically and physically. There used to be dojos all over all over New York. We don't have that anymore. They need martial arts. They need to know how to fight without guns. They need to know how to play drums. They need to know, uh, they, we don't have Puerto Rican athletes, man. We need that. We see boys running up and down the block, running from the man, and they're doing a 440. Why don't we have them officially do that? So I think if as, and here's where the middle class comes in, they can, they can sponsor that. Baseball, football, sports, and music have been taken out of our schools in New York City. And that's half the reason most of those kids go there. Once you take that out, you lose half the kids. Our dropout rates are abysmal. I'll end with this. There's was a study done by the Community Service Society, and it said Puerto Ricans are the lowest in the totem pole. <clears throat> the lowest, lower than Mexicans, lower than Ecuadorians, lower than Mexico. We've got to change that. I think we have the intellectual capital. I think we have the heart. I think we got, we have the spiritual capital. We just have to commit ourselves to struggle and believe that we can win.
0: E familia, that is the end of the episode. I know we want more, but guess what? I got you. And I told you, I always will always have your back. So this season we'll be focusing on the Young Lords party. We'll be bringing in other guests we be getting some historians and people who have been a part of the movement so don't you dare worry but the only way that you can find this out and know when the new episodes happen is if what you have to subscribe make sure you follow us right and also rate us high so we can get up in the ratings and people more and more people can hear our stories and reframe our history right so with that said I also want to veer you over to our social media so that you all can engage as a community within your virtual sala and make sure that you engage and that you're always a part of the conversation to share your story again facebook instagram and our newly minted youtube channel and page which will highlight our video podcast so that you can get all all of the conversations going we will also do some live streaming so be a part of the community it's real easy Just show up continue to support us and we will follow in suit so thank you gracias por todo y te veo next time